You know, I had a word to bring this evening, but I think I'm going to change it. And I'm going to change it because I sort of feel with the storm that's happening, I was thinking and reading something this afternoon. And as I was thinking about it, and I had this draw that maybe I should bring this uh, this evening. I'm sure maybe all of us are saved. If not, uh, there might be one or two unsaved. I don't know. And I had this real draw to bring this message. And I thought, Lord, I don't, I don't want to bring this message because I'm not 100% sure. But what I'm asking you is, would you confirm it to me? in the meeting. And so as I was saying hello to a few of you around the meeting this evening, um, there was a man who turned to me and confirmed it. So I'm going to see how the Lord leads us in it and what he's going to bring out of it this evening. And why I'm saying that is, I was walking up here, and brother Kenny here, he said to me, what do you think of this storm? The name of the storm. Aisha, he says, it sounds a bit like a Hindu god. I said, that's because it is a Hindu god. It means goddess of power. And they, they, it's a Hindu goddess. It is likened onto Shiva, the Hindu god, as well. And so they're now naming these things. And strangely, I was finishing on the number nine last night, or this morning, and tonight... Do you know this storm uh, this year? Now, I don't mean January, for they rank the storms from September is the ninth storm that has come upon our nation. Just from September, the ninth categorized storm. And it's now, tonight, I'm told it has been uh, elevated to a tornado watch, believe it or not, for Northern Ireland tonight. And it's to get worse over this evening into the next couple of days, I'm told. So whether it is or not. But it was when Kenny said that, I thought, I'm going to have to speak on this just this evening about a storm. Will you turn with me to Mark's Gospel? Mark's Gospel, please. And we're going to look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And let's begin reading. And verse 35. Verse 35. On the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, And said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Powerful, isn't it? Let us pray. Father, we are conscious of you. That even, Lord, tonight, it has pleased you to come to tabernacle with us. To be in our midst, that we might be in your presence. And so tonight, Father, we thank you for everyone who has Brave the weather to be here. Lord, would you encourage them tonight and bless them. We pray now, Lord, that your word would have free course. Your word is not bound. And your word may continue to speak even when voices are silent. So we pray, Father, this evening 
If a word would have free course and by the power of your spirit it would find a lodging place within each and every heart. Lord, may we who are saved bear fruit for you. And may those who may not be saved come to a knowledge of saving faith in Christ. Open up this word to us this evening and speak into our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We open our reading with the Lord Jesus saying, it says, he says to the disciples, let us pass over onto the other side. Now, a few chapters later in the book of Mark, you'll find there's another storm. We may even look at it in a moment. There's another storm. But Jesus isn't in that boat when the storm comes. In this portion of Scripture, Jesus is in the boat, asleep in the boat with his head on a pillow when the storm comes. But in the next one, he's not in the, in the ship at all. And rather, he walks out to the boat. Notice here, he says, let us pass over. In other words, I'm getting in this with you. I'm sailing across this lake of Gennesaret or Sea of Galilee about eight miles wide. I'm going to be with you. And hence, from the very outset, it was impossible, absolutely impossible for the boat to sink. I know it says here that the, that the wind got up and there was a great storm and the, the very waves came over and uh, filled the boat with water. Yet it didn't sink. Think about this. In other words, it was heavy with water. The water was rising up on the inside almost as much as it was on the outside. And yet they didn't offload anything or anyone as they did with Jonah when they were in the storm. Let's cast everyone out as in Acts 27 when Paul is in the ship and being taken to, to Rome. And there was a great storm and of course the, the ship broke to pieces. But first they tried to offload everything to give it more buoyancy. They didn't do it here. None of it was done here because it was impossible for this boat to sink. Even though it was filling with water. It was impossible for the boat to sink because Christ was in the vessel. Because Jesus said in his word, let us, you're coming with me and I'm going with you. Let us go to the other side. And here is an encouragement for us all this evening, brothers and sisters. That with the little song says, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. And when Christ is in the vessel and we are aware of him and know his word that you and I can be assured and rest upon the very knowledge that you are going to make it. And maybe you're thinking, I don't think I can weather this storm. It's as though the water is coming inside. It's as though the water is going to sink me. It's as though I'm going to go under. We're going to drown in this. No no, no, the water was in the vessel. And it says the vessel was full of water. It was also full of these fishermen. But I'll tell you, it didn't sink because Jesus was in the vessel. Because he was there. And if you're saved tonight, you can rest assured that you know that Jesus is in you, the vessel. That you won't sink whenever the doubts and the worries and the fears come. That you won't go under Oh, you might struggle through the sea a little bit and you might get a little bit fearful wondering what's going to happen next, but you're not going to sink. You're not going to drown. The Lord says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when Jesus is with you and when Jesus is within you, Christ being in the vessel, then you can surely, as the little song says, smile at the storm. Take note here, he was asleep. Now some of us are really aware in our lives of the presence of God. And then some of us are not aware and wondering where the presence of God is. 
Here these disciples knew the presence of Christ was in the vessel. But it's because he wasn't awake, they weren't sure of his awareness. They weren't sure of his awareness. You know, sometimes you say, Lord, do you know about this? Are you aware what I'm going through? Are you aware of the sea? Are you aware of the storm? Are you aware that I'm about to sink? Are you aware that I don't know what to do? Because you seem to me as if you're asleep. And yet, whether you deem it that you know or are aware or even feel, because we don't go on feelings, we go on our faith in Christ and who he is and not who we are. Because we're human, we wonder, are you sleeping, Lord? Are you sleeping on me? I remember when Alison and I were writing our book, the publisher came and said, Ken, we need to get a title for this book. Get it out ASAP. It's, it's ready for publishing and we need to get it out. What's your title for the book? And I thought, I don't know. I never really thought of it. He says, well, you're going to have to give me one. I says, well, to be honest, I was thinking of calling it, Are You Sure, Lord? Are You Sure, Lord? And the publisher on the phone says, You can't call your book, Are You Sure, Lord? It's as if God doesn't know. It's as if God isn't aware. It's as if God isn't solid and stable. You can't say, are you sure? I says, no, but I was asking the Lord, are you sure? Because I'm saying, Lord, it's me. About me. He says, but the Lord is sure about you. And brothers and sisters, the Lord is sure about you. And whom he has saved, and on whom he has called, and on whom he has filled with his spirit, and on whom he has calling into service. He is sure about you. So I says, I, I, I think I'll just call it, are you sure, Lord? And he, he coaxed me out of it. He says, no, it's as if God's lacking here. I says, no, I'm talking about in my lack. This is me. I'm Ken from the shore road. And Ken, the fellow who really had no idea about anything of the, the word of God or the gospels growing up. I'm Ken who, who was in the world and a worldly man. He says, aye, but you're his and you're saved. Of course God is sure. Do you know God is sure that you came here tonight? I'm not sure. I wasn't sure. I'm delighted you've come. But I'm not, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if ten would show up tonight in the storm. I wasn't sure if 20 or 30 would come. Andrew had greater faith. He had 170 chairs ready. But he wasn't sure. But he was sure you'd be here. In the storm. And listen, Aisha, the name of the Hindu goddess, so-called goddess of power, it means. Shiva, the link to Shiva, the Hindu god, they can call it whatever they want and the storms may blow and the wind may beat and the rain might come down. But he's still on the throne and he is still sure. So I says, oh, well, what will they call it? And we ended up calling it finding God's path in a dark season. Maybe that was the better one, I don't know. Here's what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. In the very outset of this reading, Jesus says, let us pass over onto the other side. And even though it says that the water had come in and filled the ship, yet they didn't sink. Here's something else. Even though the water was in the ship and freezing cold, Jesus didn't wake up either. You see, sometimes the Lord leaves it to the point where we know. Well, we all say, oh, I'm trusting in faith. And we do trust in faith in the Lord when things aren't too bad. When we feel there's something I can maybe put my hand to. I'm trusting in faith. 
But do you see when it seems like the Lord isn't wakening up in time, as you deem it, and I deem it? That's a different story. Because then it's when the rubber hits the road. It's whenever the rubber hits the road and the Lord's saying, will you trust me now? Will you trust me when you're going through the difficult time? Will you trust me in the middle of the storm? Will you trust me when you're in the ship and none can rescue you nor help you nor save you and you realize it but me? The man who stayed behind after the meeting. Uh, Gail had been in touch with him and got in touch with us and, and there's been phone calls back and forward or messages between he and Pastor Glenn and myself. And yesterday I says, Come to the meeting. No more phone calls. Come to the meeting. We wanted to see you. And he came out away from County Cavan. But when we sat with him, we sat with him till off two o'clock was it? Two o'clock was it? We sat with him till two o'clock this afternoon. Andrew, Pastor Glenn, myself, and Gail sat with him. And it was all about humanism. This isn't to condemn the man, by the way. He didn't know any better. It's all about trying to help himself, self-help, and getting his ducks on a row type of thing. But he couldn't. He couldn't, and he was sinking. The man was basically almost sunk. You know what we ended up after, what, an hour and a half of speaking? Him talking and us talking. I just says, listen. We have nothing to offer you. We can't change this for you. All these things going on with them. But here's what I'll offer you today. We've presented the Lord Jesus Christ to you. We've presented the Son of God who gave his life for you. And now it's your decision to make up your mind. Do you want him or not? Time to make up your mind, I said. Do you want him or not? No messing around, no beating around the bush. And he was, he was a gentleman and his, how he dealt with us and us with him, but it was straight to the point. Do you want him or not? And friend, that's the point if you're here tonight. Do you want him or not? If you need saved, he's the saviour. And I said, we can't help you, but we can bring you to the one who can and he can save you. And eventually, after trying around, he talked about, God, I've tried all this, many roads and avenues, you've tried this, that, and the other. I said, but Jesus says, I am the way, the one and only, the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the scripture was opening his mind, and he was thinking about it. Until, he says, like we, All we have to offer you is Jesus. But Jesus is everything you need. And friend, tonight, all we have to offer you is Jesus. But just like that man this afternoon, Jesus is everything you need. And you need to be aware of that. And you need to believe it. He said, but I've tried so hard. I've called to be saved. I've asked him. I've tried so hard, but I don't know what to do. He says, but then I had a wee touch of faith. And then I was away. I didn't have any faith. And then I had a touch of faith. And he was trying to work it out. And he says, friend, it's not about you trying hard. It's not about you trying hard. It's about receiving what Christ has done. It's finished. It's paid in full. It's not about us trying hard. And listen, Christian, it's not about you and I being the best that we can be, and by all means, be the best you can be. But in this sense, it is not about you and I and this walk keeping ourselves. It's about Christ keeping us. And we must, at our weakest and lowest even at our most wavers of times, we must come to the conclusion that it's all in him. It's all in him and nowhere else. And I said to this person today, we said to this person today, it's in him. We have nothing else to give you, nothing else to offer you. 
We can try and talk to you, try and help you, but to go back out with the same big black rucksack of burdens of which you come in with. Talk about counselling. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor, the Isaiah says. And we're bringing you nothing but Jesus. And if Jesus isn't enough, friends, we have nothing else to give you. But Jesus is everything the soul needs. He's everything you need tonight. Are you afraid in your storm like these men? He's everything you need. Are you concerned where you are? He's everything you need. Is the boat almost full and you're ready to sink you feel? Jesus is everything you need. Everything you need. And notice here it says in verse 36, And when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. So these other little ships are starting to follow the blessing. And now they've got to the place where Jesus is in a ship and they they see him leaving. You know what they want to do? Follow the blessing. Now listen, I want to look at this in two ways. Following the blessing is good because if you're following Christ, you're following the blessing. But rather follow the blesser. Not the gifts, but the giver. Not the healing, but the healer. And I wonder about these other little ships that it says here. And when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also little, with him other little ships. See, it's okay when we're going the way of the multitude or we're going the way of the others, the other little ships. And it's okay when we've got the company. And it's okay when we've people around us. And it's okay when we're those who tell us what we want to hear. It's all right. We're doing all right, aren't we? But it's when we're on our own. And they realize it doesn't matter if there was a multitude of ships, never mind other little ships. It doesn't matter if there was a cruise liner beside them. This was their decision, their struggle, their faith. You see, it's personal and it's about you, friend. It's about you, brother, and about you, sister. It's about our personal relationship, our personal walk, our personal faith in Christ. It's good to have other little ships to help us. It's good to have people come alongside to encourage us. But when this storm came, we don't read about them. I wonder, did they sink? Because sometimes other people sink around you. You know when you have friends in the good times? You have all the friends in the world. Especially when you have money. You have friends galore. You have friends coming out of the woodwork. But when the storm comes and there's a, maybe a sense of trouble, well they may be at a distance from you, but they're no help to you. They can't rescue you. They can't save you out of it. These fishermen knew the waters. These fishermen knew where they were, the trouble they were in. Notice, these fishermen knew the depths. They had pulled nets up out of here. They knew the length of their nets. They knew the depths. They knew the dangers. And they had seen before all the disasters. And hence in their minds, well, look, this is never going to get any better. Uh, th- this is going to be so dangerous for us. We're finished here. They knew it all. That's why they were afraid. Nobody is rescued out of something like this. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters, they took Christ who was even in the vessel out of the equation. And do you know what many of us do? Take Christ out of the equation. Take Christ out of the equation. Because, hey, it's about me looking around me at other little vessels. Let me tell you something. Oh, 20-something years ago, 
20 years ago maybe. My own father took sick. And he went to the hospital and I took him up. And they done tests on him and they took biopsies. And they, he come out and he says, I can see him walking out, come on, we'll go out to the, the, to the, 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 the lifts on the city hospital. You know, if you're ever at the city hospital in Belfast, there's four lifts and you can wait for about an hour on the lift. You're nearly bad at the time you get there. In fact, if you make your appointment with a doctor and I, by the time you get there on the lift, you'll be all right. You'll get your appointment. And we were up and he comes out. I could tell there was something wrong. I get him into the car and I can even tell you where I was, right at the Black Man Tech, as we used to call it, right at the in school in the centre of Belfast, sitting at the traffic lights, and he never spoke to me the whole way down Lisburn Road, right down through Shaftesbury Square and so on. And there I'm sitting there and I say I stopped at the lights and I looked at him and I says, What did they say? I hadn't said a word, he just looked ahead. Doesn't matter. I says, It does matter, what did they say? The set of two very aggressive cancers, inoperable tumours, they can do nothing with it but maybe some laser because they can't cut it out where it is. And I'm in the car and I, I drained. My heart went boom. My insides turned like water, my legs like jelly. And I looked at him and I said, with everything I could muster. I said, God can heal you. God can heal you. But he looked at me and he said, and he was right. Looked at me eyeball to eyeball and he looked at me and he says, he didn't heal your mommy. My mom died of brain cancer at 53 years of age, but he didn't heal your mommy. I'm like, my brain, everything in me and my hand, Firing prayers off to heaven among it all and going, help me, Lord, help me. What do I say? What do I say? And I just turned and says, but you're not my mom. And he's still God. This was coming up to Christmas time. And he told me not to tell anyone. And eventually I, I says, can I tell a few who are discreet who wouldn't really know much? Just to pray. We want to fast and pray. He eventually said, okay, my sisters were alive at the time and he told me not to tell them they died without ever knowing this and he just didn't want them to know. He's a very private man. And so we went to prayer. And shortly into January, they brought him in. And my brother, my car broke down. I was living in Bambridge. My car broke down and I phoned my brother and says, get my dad to the hospital quick. He's to go in for this, this laser treatment. Go down and get him. My brother's in work and he says, I'll get out of work and go. So by the time I got down and up the stairs and up those lifts, I got into the ward where, or the room, the waiting room where he was in getting this done, this procedure. I'm there about 20 minutes, half an hour, and out comes my, my dad with his coat, with a scruff like this rolled up. And me and my brother's there and he's going <laughs> with his coat. I see him as if it's just now. You know, come on. That's the way he used to go. Come on. And I says, Dad, What's happening? We didn't. We thought we were going into a ward to see him after this because it was quite severe. They said, "Come on, come on!" And we got out the lifts, and I thought we're going to be here forever. And suddenly, and if you ever in those lifts, there's, it's very rarely there's nobody in those lifts. There's always packed. Bing! There was nobody in it. And myself and my brother. My dad got in the left and the door's closed and I hit the button, we're going down. I says, what happened? He says, I went in and they went in to do the laser. He says, and the, the surgeon said, hold on, Mr. Davidson, I've got to get a second opinion. So he went, and I thought, oh, this is going to be even worse. So I, he says, I'm going, well, what way is this going to turn out? Next thing, another uh, doctor came in and they both examined him uh, as he was still on the table and all this sort of stuff. And, and they examined him. Uh, and this Asian doctor it was came into my dad and he went, Mr. Davidson, it's gone. It's gone. We don't understand it, but it's gone. And 
My dad had been ill for years with an ulcerated bladder, and it was healed as well at the same time. At that same time. Gone. No treatment. You see, you may have another little ship around you. That's good, and maybe they're sinking. And you've seen them sink, and it puts it into your heart, and it puts it into your mind, and into your thoughts. Well, I'm just going to be like one of those for the waters coming in. Brothers and sisters, listen. No, no, no. And the words I said to my dad, the Lord can heal you. He's still God. He is still God. I don't know what happened to those other little ships. Maybe they... Maybe they sank, maybe they got out of it, I don't know. But you know this, my dad got about 12 years of life healed. He started going to the gym. He started doing five-mile walks every day. Fit as a fiddle, and we used to go away on holidays with us, with Stan and Eunice and the whole family. We all went away to holidays together. And you know what, I'm sitting in the swimming pool one time, and also comes over, Ken, I was with the kids, we nippers. Ken, I've got a, f- a message from your dad. I thought he was in the room. Where is he? He says, look out for me. You know, what do you mean look out? Here he was, hand gliding or, or whatever he passed it. <laughs> we spack in the air. Hey, we are leech at you. And we run down along the path. And there he's coming in the front of the boat. With a life jacket over his shoulder like that, standing in the front of the boat. See, he thought he was in Baywatch. <laughs> Jumped into the water. That's what God done for him. And God can do that for you. Because he's the same yesterday on, today and forever. And then he took L. I was praying for him. I was praying for him. He was in the hospital bed. He said, there's a cancer in him. I says, Lord, you've done it before, you can do it again. And the doctor comes with a folder. Mr. Davidson, you ask why he said this. And he says, your folder, you're, you're about, this is about 10 years later, 12 years later. He says, it stops here and says, you were to come for laser treatment, but the page is blank. Well, what happened? My dad straightens up in bed and he says, the Lord healed me. Ach, nonsense, Mr. Davidson, these type of things don't happen. Well, you see, I was sitting on the chair beside him and I was raging. And I stood up to attention. And I says, you listen, doctor. I says, it's blank there. Either you have done something wrong and not putting it down. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, no. I says, God healed him. Well, then he says, that must be the reason then. And he still didn't believe. My God died shortly after that but God gave him those years and in those years God saved him that's the most important thing God saved him what about you tonight where would you be what condition is your heart in how would you stand before God I must move on here because I've only touched this and we haven't even got into the next one, but we'll just leave the next one. Notice this. It says here in verse 37, And there rose a great storm of wind and waves and beat into the ship so that it was now full. By the way, see this word uh, for great storm? Sometimes we get a big gust. That's it, big storm. And then maybe another big long gust. The idea of this is gust after gust. It seemed to die, then gust after gust, continually coming almost as it were around the hills of Galilee, circling. There's no way out. There's no way out. You know, whenever I think of what's happening in the world today and they say there's no way out, that's right. <coughs> Leaders of this world don't know what to do. There is no way out. 
You know, even NATO this week are saying that we, as uh, the NATO nations, should get ready. Should get ready to start to conscript our teenagers into the army and the air force and the navy because they're looking at war. This is from their generals this week. My daughters looked at me and laughed and says, Dad, you're too old. <laughs> and all these things are surrounding us. It may be not a way out, but I'm telling you there's a way up. There's a way up in Christ. And this storm comes around them. We're going to sink. Jesus is on his head on a pillow in a boat in the cold water. Here's what this is showing us as I round this up. Here's what it's showing us. It's showing us the, the inability of these seasoned sailors or fishermen. You see, because they knew all the dangers, it made them more afraid. It's like a doctor. When a doctor gets sick, they know what they're looking at in their own body. And it sort of can make them even more worried because they understand where you and I, well, ignorance is blessed sometimes, as they say. These men knew what they were looking at. These men knew the impossibility. These men knew the depths and the dangers, the disaster that was going to come upon them. The boat was filling with water and Jesus was lying sleeping. Here's what I want to tell you, brother, sister. Jesus said, let us go over. It doesn't matter what you feel, what you know, or what you think in that sense. All you need to adhere to is what did the word of God say about your situation. This is difficult. Well, you know what? Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm in the vessel. You're not going to sink. But you're going to go through. See, in, in the next uh, Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, he feeds the multitude. It says, And Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side. Notice the difference here. Mark 4, he said, Let us go. Let us. I'm with you. I'm in it. Mark 6, he's saying, Get you in the ship and go. And the thing about it is, the word here, he can, and he constrained his disciples, it's in Mark 6 and verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. The word for constrained here is the word anakanazo in the original text. Do you know what it means? It gives the idea uh, to necessitate. It gives the idea that Jesus knew for them, for, for this time to sail across this river, the sea, it was necessary. But here's the thing, he says, I'm not going with you. You're going. See, the first time it's baby steps, isn't it? Here's Jesus in the boat. Do you not care, Lord? When you're waking up, of course he cares. Of course he knew all about it. But here in Mark chapter 6, he said, now you go. You know why? He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to believe his word. He, need, he wants you to know you have your own walk with him, your own faith in him. And he, he wants you to experience the storm without sight, all by faith. And necessitate means, it actually gives the idea he could have manhandled them in the sense where he gets them almost like a shepherd with sheep and he herds them. Come on, boys, get into the ship. This is where it goes in the original text. Get into the ship and go to the other side. Get into the ship. Come on, my boys, get into the ship. And you see the boys, oh, we're, we're enjoying the blessing of the loaves and the fish. We're enjoying seeing the great miracle. All the people think we're brilliant, Jesus. And Jesus says, never mind the people. Get into the ship and go to the other side. It's absolutely necessary for you to go through this. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's absolutely necessary for us to go through things. 
He's not in the ship this time. Because he told them, you're going over. So you're not going to look at me. And you're not going to look at me and say, do you not care? He says, but rather you're going to say, the Lord said, God's word says this, so I will obey it. We're going to make it to the other side. I can't go through all of this, but in verse 47, Jesus is up a mountain praying. Verse 47, when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. This is the way it reads. Fourth watch of the night, probably after three to four in the morning, somewhere probably around that time, maybe as early as five, but it's getting a bit late around six. So it's probably three or four in the morning. Pitch black, the storm's going. And next thing, these disciples trying to keep the boat. I mean, they were uh, uh, toiling and rowing. They're pulling in the oars against it. They're pulling, they're exhausted. Usually they sailed, and basically they were naked when they sailed, most of them, or maybe had a little loincloth on, and this cold sweat on them, and the, uh, the, the waves coming in. And that means, contrary means they went this way so as it wouldn't tip the boat over. And the wind turned against them. And they went that way so it wouldn't tip the boat over. And the wind turned against them. And the same again, and the same again. And it's like they're going around in circles, they're exhausted. All of a sudden in the darkness, remember there's no lights here. There's no big spotlights. There's no lights from the stars hardly because there's a storm. It's black. They see somebody walking out on the sea. As if he would have went past them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you're three and a half miles out to sea and somebody walks past you? Hey? And the idea is he walked upon the sea. It means uh, the, word, uh, the word gives the idea that it became like concrete to him. Every step though. As if he would have walked past them. Oh, but they cried. And he heard them. What was he doing up on the mountain before he came into the sea? Do you ever wonder? He was praying. It's a picture of Jesus as our high priest in heaven. Praying for us. And the disciples cried out. There was a spirit. See the word spirit? There's a word phantasma. A phantom. From the dark arts. The occult. From the devil. That's what it means. And all of a sudden this figure walks out. And they can hardly see in the dark. And they're rowing. And there's this figure walking. And next thing Peter starts going. Phantasma. 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 Pointing out to Christ. Phantasma. The devil's here. The devil's here. The devil's in the storm. The devil's on the sea. The devil's coming to get us. The devil's going to take us. You think you hear some Christians. That the devil was the almighty. The devil wasn't in the storm. Jesus was in the storm. Christ was there. Stop giving the devil the glory he doesn't deserve. So, just as in chapter 4, and just here in chapter 6, verse 51, look at what it says. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. And the thing is, a similar thing happens in, in when he wakens up and stills the, the storm. And the same sort of similar thing happens here. And the idea of beyond measure. Some Greek texts have tried to understand the beyond measure to give a, 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 a what would it be like in modern sort of terms. Do you know the best modern term that some of them could come up with? Like a tire getting a valve taken out. The disciples were like a tire getting the valve taken out. Wow. Look what he's done. Look what Jesus can do. That's the idea of this. And the picture of both Mark 4 and here in Mark 6 is this. It shows the immense impossibility it was for these disciples to change their condition. 
to change their position. It shows the impossibility for these disciples to save themselves, to deliver themselves. Absolutely and completely, totally impossible. And it mirrors our depraved nature. That a man and woman can't save themselves. But in these two chapters, Mark 4 and 6, notice those, especially in Mark 4, it shows the humanity of Christ that he slept. That as a man, he got thirsty. He felt pain. He slept. But it showed him as God and daddy that he spoke to the very wind and the rain and the storms. Whether it was called Asia, like the one over here tonight, Shiva or the goddess so-called of power. You know what Jesus says? I'm the creator of all things. He walks in Mark 6 upon the waves of the sea. Turn quickly to Job chapter 9, please. Job chapter 9. I heard a man once say, preaching, he says, I heard part of him one telling a story of a man who was preaching years ago, and he says, he was a modernist, and he says, Jesus, when he paddled in the shallows, he didn't walk out. There were three and a half miles out. And he didn't walk out upon the sea. He only paddled in the shallows. And then again, he's saying that nowhere does it say that someone would walk upon the sea. Does it not? Let's go to Job chapter 9. Listen to what the God of all creation says. Let me just find it now. And let your eye run down to verse Go to verse 7. Job 9, verse 7. Speaking of the Lord, which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars, notice, which alone spreadeth out the heavens. And what does it say? And read it out. It says, God alone treads upon the waves of the sea. And so when he calmed the storm, he's fulfilling scripture. Psalm 107. I'm just preaching this as it comes to me and that's me finished. Psalm 107 and verse 29. In fact, let's, let's read a wee bit more than that. Psalm 107 verse 21 and we'll close with this. Think of this. Think of your condition. And where are you with God tonight? Are you even saved at all? Do you know him? Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonders, his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Notice that they, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord. And his wonders in the deep. Boy, did these disciples see that come to pass. Notice this. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind. And lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. And are at their wit's end. In other words, the ships go up and down like this. Even the Lord's vessels. Back and forward, all over, and they're like a drunken man. You know? The sailors are all over the place. It says that the waves rise up, and then they go away to the depths. So goes the ship with it. And here the psalmist is saying, they're like a drunk man. They can't even stand still. Notice what he says in verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distress. Now notice, he maketh the storm a calm. Jesus spoke to the storm and it was calm. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now here's the thing. 
After all of that, you know what we have shown you? We have shown you the deity, the Godhood, the Godhead of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have shown you these things. It speaks of them and how that which is impossible with you and even with doctors or others and little ships coming along who may fall to the side and cannot hold you up anymore nor even encourage you, yet he is still in the vessel. And not only is he almighty God, but he's very personal with you. Not only is he almighty God, but he became flesh and he was tired and he was hungry and he felt pain and he went to the cross that you might be saved. That you might be saved. And hence, this is the only way a man can be saved, a woman can be saved. So here's the thing. And this is me definitely finished. The last one was a false alarm. But here's the thing. Said to that man today, Pastor Glenn and Andrew and Gail and myself, and I said to him, all we can offer you is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he is everything you need. Are you saved? Because as impossible as it is for these men to calm the storm and they're drowning in it if Christ doesn't interfere and get involved. As impossible it was for these men to calm the storm and to get to the other side and what they thought they knew. As impossible as it was for these men, it is even a greater impossibility for you to save yourself. It is even a greater impossibility for you to get saved outside of Christ. So we present to you tonight the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, died on the cross that you might be saved and paid your debt of sin. And so we're asking you tonight, as we ask that man this afternoon, we present him to you. Do you want him? The decision is yours for a yes and a no. Either one, you'll walk out of these doors with him or you'll walk out without him into the storm tonight. God bless us tonight. God bless his word to all of our hearts. Tim, would you come up, please? Praise God. You know what? I had a message for tonight. I think I'll bring it next Sunday night. And I've actually entitled it The Atheist's Post. I've seen a wee post on being an atheist attacking Christians during the week. And I thought, that man doesn't even realize he's praising God. He thinks he, all our Christians who didn't realize it thought he was, they were, he, well, what he was trying to do, he's attacking them and they were getting annoyed. And I went, praise God, even out of the mouth of an early atheist, that the Lord is, is using him to glorify him. So we'll do the atheist post in the Lord's will next Sunday night. God bless you all.